It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host, as well as one of the certified financial planners. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, who just took a sip of some bitter coffee. Between us, Josh Gregory. Who would never drink coffee, by the way. That's right. Oh, it might be tea or something. It's it's green tea with apple cider vinegar with the mother in it. I don't even know what in the world you just said. Keep going. I'm going to get us focused here. Moving along. Hey, regardless of where you are on your life's journey, I'd imagine that if you're listening to the show today, you have hope that tomorrow can be even better than today. I, I hope that's just a theme in your life. And my wish for you is that here as we stand at the beginning of a new year, you have a clear vision of what your ideal future can look like and that you have a plan to achieve it. So today on the Wise Money Show, we want to introduce you to a habit and a tool that you can use to track your progress towards greater financial freedom for that preferred future. Well said, Joshua Gregory. Well said. If you have any questions about what we're talking about today or anything else you're dealing with in your financial life, reach out to us. We'd love to help. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, just search Wise Money Radio. And you can call or text 574-222-2000. Submit a question, submit a need, just say, hey, I need to chat, whatever. Call or text 574-222-2000. We're launching the show today with a question from Corey. Corey's 49 from Granger. Here's what he said. I feel like I didn't make much progress in my financial life last year. How do I know if I'm on the right path? I think that's a common question, actually, any year. But when we reflect on 2018 and all the ups and downs, right, It might you might be feeling that yourself. Huh? Did I make progress? I'm not sure I did. Yeah. I mean, it could be that you really did not make progress, potentially. So there, there could be an issue here with the progress you made, or there could be an issue with your perspective, right. one of the two. And if it is an issue with progress, it might be that you missed some opportunities along the way. Maybe you had some lack of direction for a little while or made some mistakes. Um, maybe you were spinning your wheels a little bit. But if the issue instead is related to your perspective, that might just mean that you don't have an accurate picture of what reality is. You might be doing better than you even realize. Yeah, potentially. I, I love Corey's question. Thanks for the question, Corey, because it, it, I look at a couple of things. Number one, I feel like I didn't make much progress in my financial life. I always tell people, don't trust your feelings. I don't know about you, but my feelings lie to me all the time. So especially when it comes to your financial life, what you want to do is be objective. So that is, that's the science. Those are the numbers. And you can't really argue with the numbers. So I want you to be objective when it comes to your financial life. If you're subjective and you're just trusting your feelings, it'd be very easy, especially in a relationship with your spouse or whomever or a business partner to say, well, I feel like you spend too much money. I feel like you're buying things that we don't need. I feel, so I would say don't trust your feelings 
feelings. Work work from a plan. And Corey, your your question is the question that lots of folks come to us with. And they, they're, they're lacking clarity and confidence. And so by walking through the financial planning process, you can get clarity and confidence. And if you're working with a financial planner who is certified and practices in the six areas of CFP, you should get some creativity. That is what most people are needing. Well, and maybe the most important thing that the financial planning process provides to you is a better measuring stick to track your progress against. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, are, are you just comparing yourself to your friends or your neighbors? Are you, are you looking at what other family members are doing? Or are you actually measuring your progress against the goal you're trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. That's what a financial plan does for you. It gives you a different perspective on where you're going. And that way you know whether or not you should be, you, you know, did you earn an, a high five or a kick in the pants uh, for how last year went? That a financial plan is what reveals that to you. And then I'd also encourage you, before we talk about this tool that Corey's question really led my mind to, is if you did have a goal and you were working with your certified financial planner, you're doing planning and you had some targets and you came up short, don't gap. This is a phrase we use around here. It's a phrase we borrowed from uh, another great influence in our life where you've got a goal, you've made progress, but you came up short. Well, what do you focus on? Do you focus on the distance between where you got to and what you were hoping to get to? That's the gap. Mm-hmm. That'll make you depressed. Mm-hmm. I tell you, focus on the gain. Yeah. Focus on the gain of where did I start and, and how much did I accomplish? And then I also find it instructive to say, to, so to celebrate those wins, but then instructive to say, all right, now let's reset. What do I need to do get, to get this, this last little bit cleaned up? You know, just a couple weeks ago, within, uh, there were two days in a row, I met with some longtime clients who are into retirement a little ways, and we were looking back on the history of how their overall net worth has uh, grown or shrunk or whatever. And I was able to show one couple that after 10 years, they were sitting with the same amount of money in their retirement nest egg as what they did 10 years prior. And we celebrated. It was amazing because they've been in retirement, living an amazing life, exactly what they want. They've been drawing off of these accounts. They've been giving dollars away. And here they are. They're still in the same place. It was a major win. Yeah. Someone one day later had the same perspective and they were wondering, uh, you know, it feels like our net worth hasn't grown over the past couple of years. And I reminded them of the good things that they were having. They are more freshly minted retirees and they haven't made the switch in their mind yet that they've been on growth mode, growth mode, growth mode their entire career. And now all of a sudden, it's not growing as much because they've been giving away some money, because they've been spending uh, and investing uh, in, in other things. So um, to me, it is about perspective and and not getting caught up in what you haven't achieved yet, instead focusing back on what you have achieved. Measure backwards is the, is the principle. So that's a great segue because Corey's question did make me think about an important habit that I have in my own life and as a service for our clients and customers, we build this habit. We do this for the clients that we serve at Corhorn Financial Group. But I hope you have it as a habit as well, either that someone else is doing for you or with you. But it is at least once a year at a consistent time calculating your net worth, not done, calculating your net worth and then 
comparing it to where you were last year, the year before, the year before, the year before, comparing it to history. Because if you're just calculating it, there's going to be a temptation to gap out and say, it should have, could have been better, blah, blah, blah. But you've got to have that perspective. And I'd say keep as much history as possible. So some of you heard Josh talk about net worth and say, well, I'm not a business or I have no idea what that is. So let's first define what is a net worth, but then why, why is it important to track this? Yeah, to oversimplify, you itemize everything that you own, you subtract what you owe, and you net it out, and that's your net worth. Now we're talking financial worth, but that's your net worth. And so what it's important to track some of the most, um, I'm just going to say financially successful people I've ever met in our first meeting or two, they came in and they said, here's my net worth. And they knew it because they were watching it. And what happens, the things that you watch and monitor and track tend to move in the right direction. Um, I think one time I had some folks come in and it was the first meeting and they said, hey, do you, would you want to see our expenses and our budget and, and these things? And we said, absolutely. And they said, well, okay, here's the last 25 years worth. Do you need more than that? <laughs> oh my goodness. And as every penny they'd spent over the last 25 years. So they, they're a little bit more uh, obsessive about that than I would encourage folks to be. But you know what? It it works. So so you can say, oh, I never want to do that. That's horrible. Guess what? <laughs> it, it works. It's very uh, effective. You don't need to do that, though. And you don't need to have been calculating your net worth and all of that. And, and I but but it's important to start yes. to start. And I would remind you, as we're just starting to peel back the layers of what is this, because I want to talk about some of the categories. It's it's uh, it's very important to list out the right categories, not just all your gym socks and that sort of stuff. No, we'll talk about the categories in a second. But your net worth is not your worth. You are separate and more than whatever the numbers might be on that page. But the numbers on that page help reveal where you're at. They can provide um, clarity as to what things need to be pursued, but then they also give perspective as to how are things going in your financial life. So don't think your worth when you think net worth. We're gonna break it down and talk about what it all means coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you have the habit of tracking your net worth on a consistent basis? No, not daily. No, no. I I just wouldn't. That's just a lot of work. But consistently to see, are you making progress? Is something maybe out of place in your financial life? And now that it's listed in your net worth, you can see that. We're talking about that habit today and going to help you get there yourself if you're not there already. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have questions, we're into one right now from Corey. If you have any questions, reach out to us. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you can submit a question online. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574 574- 222-2000. And then social media. You can submit questions on Facebook. You could 
do it on Twitter or YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. So Corey's question is, I feel like I didn't make much progress in my financial life last year. How do I know if I'm on the right path? And we talked about several different things and that this is common. But be careful. Don't trust your feelings. How can you look at it objectively? Well, one of the habits that we have, that I have, and that we we do for our customers at Corhorn Financial Group is build in that worth statement and then update it and track it on an ongoing basis. So still begs the question, at a high level, what is your net worth? Yeah, we're talking about a personal balance sheet. So it's the same discipline that most... Uh, businesses out there at any given time, a moment in time, they always have a snapshot of where they stand financially, and they're always measuring the things they own versus the things they owe, and what is the net between those. If you were to sell everything that you have and pay off everyone you owe, what's left over? And that's not for the purpose of taking some kind of great pride and and uh, walking around with your head held high and, and uh, proud that you're at a certain level. It's because your net worth has to reach a certain level in order for you to have financial freedom and be able to achieve the goals that you, you want in life. There are certain assets that need to be accumulated if someday you want to be able to walk away from a paycheck, for example. Mm-hmm. If you want to help your kids with college expenses, that's going to take resources as well. So all these things get accounted for on a net worth statement or a personal balance sheet, as we sometimes call it. We break it down into categories like how much cash on hand do you have in the bank? Uh, what type of life insurance assets do you have if, if you have a cash value building policy? What, what amount do you have saved for retirement or for college or business assets? Things like your real estate, whether that's your home or rental property. And then also lifestyle assets, the cars you drive, the things you own, that sort of thing. Don't get stuck on placing a value on every furnishing. I know the couch costs you $1,000 or whatever it costs, but I wouldn't assign that as a value. If you have something unique value, heirloom or artwork or something like that, certainly note that out. Absolutely. But for most people, for me, I just, you know, all my stuff is worth five grand or 10 grand or whatever, just assign a number. That's not a place where you're really wanting to accumulate wealth. An art collection or some other collection, maybe, but not in your personal belonging. So that's how you'd categorize your assets. Right. The the new big screen TV that you got for Christmas didn't increase your net worth by 500 bucks. That's, right. that's an interesting point. We're, we're going to pick that back up. And then liabilities, though. You can still break those down into categories as well. We usually think in terms of short-term and long-term mm-hmm. or more revolving debt that has an adjustable interest rate that might be rising on you right now versus fixed interest rates. And then you can also maybe even break out the category of business types of uh, loans as well. Yeah. So then before we get into what does this say, why why is this important? And I'll mention one, and it's sort of soft and squishy, but... Um, so much these days, your financial life is intangible. We're not walking around with cash these days. And some of you have gold in the safe, but not most of us. And you're not, you don't have your stock certificate sitting there in the safe as well. Our financial lives are intangible and that helps commerce, but it really doesn't help you see where you're at. It, and it makes it very, very difficult. And you've got a lot going on. You're diversified. You've got bank accounts, maybe a couple different banks. You've got retirement accounts, probably a few different places. Who knows what your house is worth, That those sorts of things. So doing this takes your intangible financial life and makes it 
tangible. You can see it. It's on one page. And sometimes from that, you can easily see, a, 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 a trained eye can easily see something's out of place here. But normally, if you're just talking, well, I got this here, this here, sometimes you might not really be, notice that something's out of place. But when you can make your intangible financial life tangible, you can discern and see things that you might not otherwise see. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to measure the financial health of where you are right now. It's also a tool that can be used to make sure both you and your spouse are on the same page. Because just like you said, uh, it, it's hard sometimes to get your full mind wrapped around your financial life. Well, it's even more difficult to make sure both you and your spouse have the same glimpse or the same view on things. If you're making action items, again, every show is about helping you take your next wise step. I'm just, I, the, Josh, you just made one for me. I do this every year about this time of year, and I always just keep it private. I don't share it with Cindy. Nope, I will. I'll print it off and or we'll look at the screen together and she and I will go through it. That's that's helpful. Because even if you are doing this discipline and you say, no, I'm buttoned up tight, Josh might have just thrown down the gauntlet and said, are you both on the same page? Right. And we use a tool, which is Wealth Vision, that if you connect your entire financial life to this tool, it tracks your net worth it's, for you. It's not burdensome. You might have heard us talking about this, get all excited and saying, that would take me five hours to do. Nah, actually, it should take you about five seconds if you've, mm -hmm. if you've you know, done the inventory work and connected it. Yeah. And especially if you have any kind of loans and the bank periodically asks you for a, a personal financial statement, you can go into Wealth Vision, print out your personal financial statement, you and your spouse sign it, give it to the bank, and that's all they need. Yeah. Okay, so you've got it you you've got it listed out. You know why it's important. Okay, so what does it tell you? Now now what? You know, if you've done the exercise to create that list, now what? Here's what it tells you. It tells you what kind of progress you're making judged in the in the right metrics. So cuz what people are tempted to do is say, "Well, what is my net worth compared to Josh's and Mike's?" And you know what? I haven't been responsible for Josh's resources, nor have I been responsible for Mike's. I've only been responsible for mine. So if I, if I want a surefire way to kind of drain the joy from my life, I just start playing the compare game. Yeah. How am I doing relative to someone else? And I remember back in 19... No, it would have been in 2001, and I was walking on the beach... Uh, on Marco Island in Florida with a very wealthy person. And we were walking and he pointed out this new condominium and he knew the person that had bought the penthouse suite mm. before it was even finished being built. And he said, you know, it's interesting as you're climbing the ladder and you think you've really you've really kind of arrived. And when you think that you look up the ladder and you see there's 16 more rungs above you. Mm -hmm. And so most people, other than maybe Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and, and Warren Buffett can say, yeah, um, if I play the compare game, I'm going to be miserable because everyone else has more than I do. But I, I try and encourage people, if net worth was a happy meter, 
you wouldn't say the the greater my net worth, the greater my happiness. No, those two are totally disconnected. Correct. Yep. The problem is uh, in the corrosive nature of our culture and our society will whisper that to you in your ear. You will be happier with more. And I found that abundance is just like carbohydrates. <laughs> when you eat carbohydrates, the only thing it makes you do is crave more carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And when you have abundance, the only thing it makes you do is crave more. And and then if you go and get it, what you're doing is saying, well, look, I have more compared to, now I have more compared to Mike and Josh. Nope, I, am, I have just put myself in the category of miserable, whether I have an awareness that I know I'm miserable or just I'm miserable and don't know it. That's great wisdom, Kevin. You know, money, that's why we're trying to interject both the importance of having this habit, but don't overvalue it. Don't um, don't think it assigns a certain value that it actually doesn't, because money, money can be extremely corrosive. And you might say, well, it's society's influence and use of money, but don't, don't let it have that power over you. And so there's a couple other takeaways that are very instructive when you're looking at your net worth. We're going to hit those, and then we've got some great listener questions coming up. That and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What is your net worth telling you? What's it supposed to tell you? Well, we told you what it's not supposed to tell you. It's not your worth. It's not who you are and your value as a person. But it's important and helpful to track so that you can see are you making financial progress. Not to compare yourself to anyone else, but to you and your progress and your goals. And it can be very instructive in that way. We're going to tell you what it can reveal and how you should interpret it in just a second. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory in the KFG Studios. Thank you, Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies and Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. We've got listener questions right after this content. If you have any, reach out to us. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. radio.com is how you find us online. You can submit a question there as well. Every episode also is recorded, and it's on our YouTube channel. You can reach out to us that way. You can follow the content that way. Just search Wise Money Radio, Facebook, Twitter, same thing. All right. We talked about and we've defined what your net worth is, and we've talked about why it's important. So what could it reveal? You know, sometimes... Um, Looking at your net worth can reveal to you that maybe you're more illiquid in your financial life than you should be. Um, I, I can think of an example of a client a few years ago who, on paper, his net worth would say that he was a multimillionaire, and yet he was struggling financially. And it's because he, he didn't have enough cash on hand. All of his assets were tied up in illiquid things that he couldn't get his hands on, and that's great on paper as long as life never rocks the boat, as long as there's never a crisis or an emergency or something that comes up that's unexpected. In those situations, cash is what helps 
put distance between you and that crisis mm-hmm. or, or financial strain or stress. And so someone who doesn't have enough of certain types of assets, they don't have enough cash in the bank or assets that they, that they could quickly liquidate, um, that could be a sign of maybe an, an unhealthy uh, position that they're in, even though you would look and, and maybe argue that they're pretty successful on paper. One of the ones, that's a great example. One of the ones that I've seen that is pretty interesting, Doesn't it's not very common and don't read into this too much, but when you actually build out your net worth, you're going to list dollars and assets in those different categories we talked about. And some people are just motivated by cash. Mm-hmm. And so when you're building that, you might see, oh, there's a healthy level of cash here. But then when you look at the debt, there's an unhealthy level of short-term debt. And you look and say, well, that if you really value building up cash and having liquidity, and so, but you're not really motivated by paying off that $3,000 a credit card at 16% interest rate, well, I understand your motivations and we need to use those. However, it probably that just reveals an inconsistency in your financial life. And actually, so don't read into this too far, but I'll just tell you, if you're motivated by saving up cash, I want to use your cash towards your goals because I know you're going to be motivated to build that cash right back up. So I, for a lot of people, I like to say, all right, you've got that cash built up. You've got this little debt over here. Let's take some of that cash and pay off this debt because mm-hmm. it's going to make financial sense. And then you just you know, work real hard to build that cash right back up. And as long as you don't take it to nothing and you know, violate some other values and make sure there's still harmony in your financial life, that can really make a lot of sense. But that's revealed. Connected to that... When you're tracking your net worth year over year over year, you guys have seen this too, Josh, Kevin. Assets or cash has gone up, but so has debt. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, if you're, if you're totally ob- objective, because no one would ever do this in real life, but if you're totally objective, you'd say, well, you just contributed to your retirement account on your credit card. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, that, when you're looking at your net worth that way, that's what it can reveal. And you would say, no, that would almost be offensive. But if you're just looking at the numbers, you grew this certain short-term debt, but you were saving into your retirement account. And so that's either just a short-term blip and we need to correct the ship, or there's actually a thinking or behavioral type problem here because you don't want to fund retirement on credit cards. I I agree with that completely. And it happens so often. Um, You you know, there are folks who maybe they have skinny down their take-home pay. They're contributing so aggressively to their retirement that there's not enough cash on hand for them to meet some obligation that comes up. So the credit card is the natural uh, reaction to that. But it's difficult to make that connection unless you see both things changing on the net worth. And so I I love how you can kind of tease that out there. Mike. I also like that you pointed out the net worth statement is one of two documents that you can go to to find the resources needed to achieve your goals. There may be assets that can be repositioned or reassigned to a different goal, re, uh, redeployed, um, repurposed. And then the other is your actual budget. That's reassigning cash flow or new money that's flowing into your hands. Gosh, Darn it, Josh Gregory. That's where I was going. Most people, if you're looking at either one of those in isolation, you're only seeing half the picture. And and shame on us because we talk about the budget all the time and a budget in isolation. And and if you if that's a four-letter word to you, you think, well, that's just going to tell me all the things that I can't spend money on. If you're looking at it in comparison to your net worth, you know, I buy TVs too. I buy different things, you know, for 
personally and so on. But when you're allocating money there, it's not helping you on your net worth. So how much in your budget can you use to direct dollars to improving your net worth, paying down debt or building up assets? That's how though that's the power of how those two tools are linked together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the ways that I use a net worth uh, in the financial planning process is reviewing someone's estate plan. And sometimes, you know, we take clients through the fire drill and, and we ask the question, if you had passed away yesterday, what would have happened to all your stuff that's left behind? And a, a net worth is one place you can go to kind of see the lay of the land and 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 take inventory on where would these dollars have gone to? H- have you fully implemented your estate plan? We should be able to see or reveal what work is left to be done by reviewing that net worth statement. I've got two more. Okay. And one of them is just like with the estate plan, it sometimes can reveal um, some tax planning inconsistencies Mm. where you're building up an investment account that's growing taxable and yet there's no money in a Roth IRA or HSA or something like that. And you'd say, well, wait a second, those dollars are going to grow taxable. Well, there's a way you could shelter those. And um, that's, that's, I don't know, those are always fun to find because it's just a very quick and easy change and um, makes a big impact. I don't know. Maybe this should be the last one. I don't need to uh, control the conversation, though. But sometimes your net worth is going to tell you when you're tracking it over time that you've done a great job saving up money for long-term and, and retirement assets and that your investments went down and your net worth went down. Sometimes it will tell you that. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. That's part of the process. I, in our focus on this right now, after 2018 is intentional because a lot of people are looking and saying, I didn't make any progress. Just like Corey said, I didn't make any progress. Not because I didn't have goals or whatever, but because I've really done a good job of saving for retirement and those retirement assets, those investments really didn't help. In fact, they worked against me. I can't get where I'm going by going negative in my net worth. Don't trust that. that. That's a lie. There are times if you're saving up aggressively and saving up the right amount that your investments will go down and temporarily your net worth will go down too. That's expected. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to happen in order to have your net worth grow the way it's supposed to for the long term. Yeah, and I think there's there's one other report that you could create that might help you. And that's basically an income statement. And I've seen where people create an income statement and put it side by side by side year on year and do the comparison because they – they come in feeling a little defeated, like, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not making any progress. And you can say, well, look at what you were making three years ago and what you're making today. But you start with the, the top part of that, and, and you identify and categorize all the sources of income, and then you go below that. This is not a budget. Right. But you, it's a higher-level view. It's mm-hmm. a higher-level higher level view, but then you take out the big rocks that you spend money on, retirement plans and different types of savings, uh, any debt, uh, taxes, insurance, and other things, and then you have a net number that maybe we can talk about. 
Yeah, then that that's what you spend. That can be very instructive as well as a tool with this. Um, we've got a couple great questions coming up. One of them touches on the estate planning that Josh was just talking about. When you don't know who to list, what do you do? We've got that question from Ryan coming up, as well as Barry talking about Roth areas, IRAs, and where to draw money from. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Sitting with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. If you've missed anything, as always, want to point you to how you can catch this episode, what you've missed, and all previous episodes, number one, podcast. You can subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. Great news there. You can subscribe to it so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. And if you if you hear something that you say, you know what, my son, my daughter, my neighbor, my friend needs to hear that, just share it. Very easy to do. You can do the same thing with the YouTube channel as well. Just search Wise Money Radio, subscribe to that, share that content also online wisemoneyradio.com you can listen to every episode right there you can even submit a question right there on the right finally with housekeeping speaking of questions 574-222-2000 you can call or text 574-222-2000 if you have a question for the show if you have a need personally reach out to us that way all right let's put the bow on this net worth habit and tracking it um final thoughts final comments on the importance or what the net worth can share with you or the other tools. Final thoughts. I think of a net worth statement, a personal balance sheet, uh, and the, the tracking of that over time, similar to what we do with our kids every year. We, we have them stand up against a board that we have hanging on the wall. We take their height measurement, and then we take a step back and we say, wow, look how far you've grown in the past year. And it's just a moment to take some perspective and be grateful for the good things that have come into your into your life. And yes, it's a it's also a report card in some ways. It's a judgment on how well you've been managing the resources that are entrusted to you. Um, but and it's also um, in many ways a it reveals to you areas that you can improve. But. Get into the habit and the discipline of sitting down with your financial advisor and your spouse if you're married and make sure that you are taking this snapshot on a regular basis so that you have that historical perspective. It will propel you into the future towards your next goals. It'll give you momentum. It'll give you confidence and it will give you objectivity so you can see, yes, we actually added more to what we own and we reduced what we owe. And, yeah. and that is, it, it, I can't underscore the importance and the benefit of that. And it's, it's kind of like a location joke where you kind of have to be there with your net worth. You kind of have to be there. You have to do it. You have to see it. Yeah. 
All right. We just got a question coming through Facebook uh, that I want to share just a few moments ago. It's from Jeff. He asks, are there any fees or costs or taxes that need to be paid when you move a 401k over to a Roth IRA when you retire? Hmm. So good question. Rolling over 401k to a Roth IRA when you're ready to retire. If that is a traditional 401k, then what that means is as you've been contributing throughout your working career, uh, you've, you've been doing it on a before-tax basis. A Roth IRA is an after-tax account, which means to get money from one account to the other, we have a taxable event on your hands. And uh, you, you want to make sure that uh, you're prepared emotionally and financially for the tax hit that that will cause. And you would never want to take that action without first having a tax projection run where you're measuring how much of a tax hit you're going to have. But you would want to consider that action if you are retiring because of the new lower tax brackets because of the tax law changes. Mm -hmm. the, it used to be the 15% went up for a married couple, the 15% tax bracket went up into the uh, mid-70s, 70,000 range, and now it's the 12% tax bracket. Up almost close to 80 yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Keep expanding. So you would want to know how many dollars that you should convert from whether it's a traditional 401k or a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, pay taxes on those dollars at a low rate mm -hmm. and get them growing tax-free forever. And one of the, you know, we call it the 24-karat gold Cadillac. One of the great features of the Roth IRA is I don't have to do a required minimum distribution on my Roth IRA dollars when I hit 70 and a half. So part of what you want to be doing is diffusing the tax time bomb that you spent the last 65 years creating. That's right. That's right. Many people build up, build up this big nest egg, and they look at that number in their pre-tax account and say, that's all mine. And no, it's not. A good chunk of it's going to be Uncle Sam's, especially if, uh, depending on how much you pull out each year. So Great question, Jeff. Thanks for reaching out on Facebook. All right, Ryan, uh, is the next uh, question that we've got teed up. He's 47 from Mishawaka. My wife and I are finally doing our estate plan, and we don't know who to list as the secondary decision maker on most of our documents. We each would list each other, but then after that, we're stumped. Our oldest child is 21, but we don't think she's mature enough, and we don't have any local family members. Any suggestions? Tough one. That's yeah. a great question, Ryan. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, you're implying that there are other family members, at least I'm reading between the lines, that maybe there's other family members who are not local that you would trust. And to me, this is a question of uh, which one's more important, finding someone that you trust or finding someone who would be a convenient person to serve in a certain role. And to me, the trust comes first. Trust and convenient is Great, but trust comes first. That's yes. right. So if it's someone who lives on the other side of the country, but you trust their skills or their experience or their character, maybe they have a better perspective than someone local here, list that person first. And maybe you put someone who's more local as third or fourth option on your list. But someone, someone who can carry it out conveniently or have a sustainable way of fulfilling the responsibilities that you're leaving behind is also important. 
because you don't want to uh, leave a burden behind that they can't sustain and uh, maybe they tap out early or become burned out or, or something like that. So proximity and convenience and time availability are also important. My hope is that uh, obviously nothing's going to happen to you anytime soon, mm-hmm. uh, but hopefully your oldest child will be mature enough and will have the skill level to fulfill that role. Maybe it's worth putting them down the list, and uh, as time goes on, you can always adjust and change your your estate plan. You likely will adjust. Yeah, yeah a couple yeah. quick reminders, Ryan. Uh, your estate plan is for what happens at the second death, so uh, you've... I, I don't want to make it not seem not as important or timely as it is because it is because none of us are promised tomorrow. But I I think we last week we talked about goal setting and goal achievement and we're early in the year. I would I would set a goal of working with my daughter who's 21 and the goal is to get her ready. So I would say, what, where is her readiness level today? Where would it need to be where I'd feel comfortable putting her name in the box? And then I would talk to your wife and come up with a strategy to help her get there. And I'd talk to your daughter and say, hey, honey, we want to get you ready so that when mom and I leave this earth and whatever's left behind, we came into this world naked, we're leaving it naked, um, <laughs> whatever... Well, I mean, you have clothes on in the <laughs> casket, but I mean, okay. and you're naked on the clothes. So, um, but you're not taking anything else with you. And so you'd say, hey, uh, listen, daughter, I want you to be ready. It's going to require skill and character. And again, some people have those at 18 and some people lack one or both of those at 68. So I don't know if your daughter can be ready to be the right person, but I I would strive to work with your daughter and be very intentional. Is that the buzzword? Yep. Okay, so intentionality, I would get that in there. There's there's two documents that apply while you're still living as well. It's power of attorney and a healthcare representative, appointment of a healthcare representative. This is you granting authority to someone who can act on your behalf if you're not able to carry out business uh, decisions or healthcare decisions. And this is an example of where you need to pick someone with the right skill. So you might have a family member who's a great nurse, but you wouldn't trust them to make financial decisions for you. Mm-hmm. So be thoughtful about the way you approach this. And if, if you're lacking um, clarity or you just don't know what to do, this is where the partnership between your attorney and your financial advisor as they advise you uh, can can be so valuable. And these are decisions that you should be making in the context of your overall financial plan. Yep. Yep. Great. Great question, Ryan. Appreciate that. Hopefully, hopefully that was helpful. The, the thing that really stood out to me was character over um, convenience. And so... Uh, Hopefully that was helpful. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.